Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is the good in every room that he steps foot into, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I appreciate the nice compliment and the Big Brother reference. Um, I'm happy you did that because this Big Brother season has been absolutely amazing. I love the cast. I love the season so far. And for all of you that don't know, we actually podcast about Big Brother. So if you want caught up, get caught up. Go tune into the 5 Seconds of Fame podcast. If I remember, I'll even link it in the description. Um, and that'll come out every Friday at noon Eastern time. Uh, so I yeah, highly recommend checking that out. I appreciate Trevor. Well, I mean, we're all on it, so it's all of ours. But, you know, I was able to plug that out there a little bit. Uh, of course, the third member of our podcast, some would argue he brings good into the room occasionally, too. Uh, and that is Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you today? I'm fantastic, man. We got a lot of sports to talk about. Um, and I'm just going to be honest, we all know you're not going to remember to link that podcast in the description, so I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and tell our listeners now that don't even bother looking for it because it's probably not going to be there. <laughs> no, it's it's going to be there. Go look in the description right now. You'll see it. It'll be the first link, in fact, Ben. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write Perfect. next to it, like, ha, 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 Ben, just so you know. Perfect. So you know that I remember. Awesome. But it'll be there. But if it's not there, because there's a chance I'll forget, look up 5 Seconds of Fame podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, whatever you want to look it up on, it'll be there. I think it's more than likely um, that you're going to forget. <laughs> I'd, I'd put it at like 60% I'm going to forget. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll remind you. Um, but we have Maybe. we have a, a very solid episode planned today. We did miss a week. Um, but we're back, of course. I think this, I don't know if we've really ever, uh, we've missed some time before. We missed some time the one winter break. Mm-hmm. We were away in yeah. school. But we're back now, um, and to start off, um, we'll, we'll talk about Texas and Oklahoma. We had some big news coming out of the Big 12. Well, they quite literally might be coming out of the Big 12, um, and that's Texas and Oklahoma. They, they might be leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, and at first when I heard this, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You know, those two teams are probably a little bit past the Big 12, um, but after talking to you know these two here and reading some stuff, this is very, very bad. And Trevor, I'm going to hand this off to you first because you're the one who kind of really put that thought in my head. So, you know, why why do you not like this? Well, to me, it just, I guess, first reaction was it reminded me of Big East basketball. You know, in the 2000s, the Big East basketball, it was by far, to me, the best conference in college basketball. It had, like, 16 teams. You know, it had so many great teams, UConn, Syracuse, and West Virginia, Villanova. You know, there were so many great Big East tournaments, and the Big East always had so many good teams. And then, obviously, and I think 2013 was the year when we saw a lot of those teams kind of split. You know, you had, like, West Virginia would go to the Big 12. Um, We saw, you know, like, some of the other teams leave as well. Syracuse went to ACC. Louisville went to ACC. And there there were many others as well that kind of split. And now you have this version of the Big East in college basketball that's nowhere near what it was. You still have Villanova in there. Um, Marquette is still in there. But other than that, it's kind of just a a very depleted conference. And, yes, this is two teams that we're talking about in Texas-Oklahoma, not like six or seven. But still, I still think of it because Texas and Oklahoma are – not they're not always the best two teams, but they're the most storied programs, I would say, in the Big 12 currently. So for Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12, if that happens, which it looks pretty likely right now, they're definitely trying to um, get out of that. And I know, uh, you know, I've seen like they could owe up to like $80 million to the Big 12 as a penalty for leaving um, with, you know, their, ter- their TV rights with their contract that I think expires in three or four years. Um, however, it looks like they're still going to try to do that. They're going to try to go to the SEC. 
and I think it sucks for the Big 12. I think it sucks for Big 12 fans. I don't like it. Um, I, you know, and, and I'm saying that as a West Virginia fan who we happen to be in the Big 12, but I don't care. I would rather have Texas and Oklahoma be in the Big 12. Uh, they're the two biggest, like I just said, they're the two most storied franchises in the Big 12 without those two programs. The Big 12 just becomes like the Big East or the AAC. I mean, the Big East, I guess, or, or one of these other conferences that doesn't really meet, you know, have as many good teams. They're not as relevant, and that would really suck for them. And then to go to the SEC and make – I mean, SEC is already the best conference in college football. They don't need Texas and Oklahoma. At that point, it just becomes such a juggernaut of a conference. And, you know, I, I don't like that because we've talked about – and another thing, and I, I don't know if this is the most apt comparison, but we were talking about, you know, in soccer – uh, I've had a lot of conversations with Josh, who wonderful soccer mind, obviously Josh Baskin, um, who hosts alumni the, uh, of the pod. Yeah, <laughs> the soccer encyclopedia. Yes, an alumni of the pod, who hosts the Twelfth Row podcast um, on our network as well. But you know, we had some conversations that about that, and um, you know, we obviously both dislike that. And I tried to ask him about it, and it was it was put potentially such a powerhouse because a lot of those teams from different leagues. You had teams from the the top English league, the Premier League. Uh, the top teams from Spain, the top teams from Italy, all combining to make this like 12-team league. And just like, what? what's the fun of that for the fans? To me, just like this is an ultimate lose-lose for the fans. I don't like it. And um, I don't think, I think most people don't like it. So it sucks. I hope that somehow we can prevent this from happening. Maybe we can, maybe somehow they can pay enough money to Texas and Oklahoma to keep them in it. Or maybe there's some other way where we could stop this from happening. I don't know. It doesn't look promising. But whatever you know, we can do, maybe the fans. Uh, I mean, we've so seen some efforts from the fans in past with like that Super League, for example. Just an outcry of the fans not wanting it to happen. M maybe it can prevent this from happening. I'm hoping that something comes along that prevents these two teams from leaving the Big 12. Because I think that would truly be horrible um, for college football, to be honest with you. Yeah, so, uh, Ben, I'm going to go to you in a, in a second, but I, I saw something on Twitter that I thought was interesting, uh, which is about Oklahoma specifically. Texas, I think, has a good amount to gain from this move, but I actually don't see Oklahoma gaining a lot. The last couple of years, Oklahoma gets all the top recruits. They've had the top quarterback prospect in almost every single class that I can remember. They've had multiple Heisman Trophy winners, great receivers, great running backs, obviously defense, you know, whatever. But even more recently, they've had some good defensive players come out of Oklahoma. They're consistently in the college football playoff. What are they gaining by switching conference that's going to be harder? They're going to lose more games, most likely, um, than they would in the Big 12. It doesn't seem to me, at least, like they're gaining a lot from this move. So I saw someone, you know, post it on Twitter. I forget who it is. Um, I wish I could credit them with the opinion. Um, but it, it's very, very interesting to, to see someone like Oklahoma wanting to leave when they have all the success in the world where they're at. Like, I don't I don't know if – is there an up for them, Ben, going to the SEC? I, I just don't get it. They already recruited at the highest level. Yeah. I mean, there is an up, and it's, it's money. And, again, I don't know the specifics of it, but I would assume they're going to make more money in the SEC, especially from football, which, again, football is the only thing that matters in this case because that's why they're doing this is for football because that makes the most money. Um, but I agree with you in terms of wins and losses um, and in terms of competition, recruiting and stuff like that, I, it, you're best suited if you're Texas or Oklahoma, especially those two schools specifically because they've ruled the Big 12 for as long as it has existed. Um, even Texas, when they're not good, they still have the most resources and the most money in the Big 12. Um, so, I mean, there is stuff to be gained, Brandon, and that is money. But 
what that's going to do. And again, I'm not a fan of this either, like you guys, because I just don't want, and here's what I don't want. I don't want the SEC. The SEC has already been the best conference in college football for a better part of the last, what, 15 years. Um, and if you're a Big Ten fan listening to this, you could say, well, this year, blah, 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 blah. I get that. Maybe a couple of years, the Big Ten top to bottom was better. But if we're just looking overall the last better part of our lifetime, 15, 20 years, the SEC has been the best conference in college football. And again, I'm focused on college football because that's the only reason why they're, they're doing this. They're not doing this for basketball even or for baseball or for volleyball. No disrespect to those sports, but football makes the most money. That's why they're doing this. Um, and I don't want the SEC to become this massive conference that's unstoppable. I mean, they're already, again, they're already the best conference pretty much every year. You add two of the biggest pro- programs in college football, um, who knows where the SEC is going to want to go from there. Honestly, I mean, I've heard reports that they've reached out to other schools. They've reached out to Ohio State, to Michigan, to Clemson. They just want to form their own Super League at this point. Um, and then we're looking at basically semi-pro football. Um, and again, I just, I'm not a fan because I like the way college football is right now, especially with this playoff and they're developing possibly an 18 playoff or a 12-team playoff in the near future. I don't know how I feel about the SEC becoming so powerful to where it's almost like what's the point of even watching this um, college football landscape when one conference is so much better than the other conferences. Um, so I don't know. I'm, again, I'm not a fan, and maybe part of it is because I'm not an SEC fan. Maybe SEC fans love this. I don't know. I haven't checked online. I haven't checked Twitter or anything like that. But just as a college sports fan, I guess, in this case a college football fan specifically, I am not a fan of the two biggest programs in one of the best conferences already moving to by far the best conference, making them not even close the best conference um, in college football. So I don't know. I'm not a fan. Again, I'm not surprised. I mean, I guess I'm surprised a little bit because, the, again, those are the two marquee programs in the Big 12. But in terms of money, I get it. I hate the decision, but I get it. Um, it's not fun for anybody, any of us watching, but I guess for the people making the money, um, it, it's it's fun for them because they are going to be swimming in money if they start getting some SEC revenue. Couldn't you argue, like, I, I think there's a lot of arguments about this for, like, especially, like, football, like, the quarterbacks, they get paid a lot of money. And I, I, I trust me, I have, I, I'm getting to, to my point here. Um, you know, let's say, like, Lamar Jackson's about to get $45, $50 million per year. But wouldn't it be better if he took $30 million, or, or any quarterback for that sake, I'm not just saying that because he's on my favorite team, take $30 million and build a better team and then winning a Super Bowl would end up giving them more money in the long run and endorsements and stuff like that? And I feel like Oklahoma, you could say the same thing. Yes, maybe in the short term you get more money you know, each year from the conference, but wouldn't them being better and making it to the playoff you know, help with jersey sales and uh, any merchandise sales and just in general interest in the Oklahoma student program? I mean, look at Clemson. Not that Clemson wasn't ever big, but more recently, how many Clemson fans do we see? I mean, they're everywhere now because they're oh, yeah. as good as they are. You know, they weren't like that 10 years ago at all. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, couldn't you argue that I, mean, I know you could argue, but I'm saying, you know, as the counterpoint, wouldn't it be better for them to be as good as they are in the Big 12 than go to the SEC and losing one or two more games per year? And if you got to play Alabama, LSU, Florida, you know, these teams every single year, you're going to be bound to lose more games than playing Oklahoma State and Oregon State, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. I feel like I feel like it has a point there, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll keep on moving on for today. We'll, you know, as this story develops, we'll, we'll for sure, you know, keep, stay updated. Um, next up, and this happened right before we started recording today, Team USA men's basketball lost again. Third loss of uh, this this rotation of the Olympic, you know, training and getting to the Olympics. And this is actually a part of the Olympics, eighty three to seventy six. Um, 
it's it's kind of crazy to think that you know we have 10 12 of the best players in the world out there and by far in terms of individual talent we have well you know head and shoulders above the rest of the competition but the other teams they're beating the US I mean, it's these games aren't even I mean 76 83 that's not like the world's closest game that's seven points that's a couple possessions you know so uh, Ben I'll start with you what's what's going on with team USA yeah and again I mean it's the first time they've lost in the big since 2004 so obviously that's that's a uh, an eye-opening stat just reading that but I don't think this is like the end of the world. Yeah, they're bad. They're not bad. I shouldn't say that. Like you said, they, I mean, they have 10 or 12 of the best players in the world. They're not bad. But it's not like they lost to a terrible team. I mean, France is not a bad team. I mean, they have literally the defensive player of the year in the NBA on, on their team. Um, so it's not like France is this, this terrible team that it's a super embarrassing loss. Obviously, it's not fun for the United States to lose these games because, I mean, frankly, we're not used to them losing these games. But it could be worse. And again, it's the very first game of the Olympics. The U.S. women's soccer team lost their first game of the Olympics, and they win 6-1 their next game. Um, and the good part about these Olympics is it's, it's group play, right? So it's not like it's a single elimination tournament. The United States has some time to get their stuff together. Um, that being said, I don't want to be the person that comes on here and goes, oh, there's nothing to worry about. They'll find their, their rhythm or whatever because, I mean, we've seen this for two weeks now. They Like you said, this is their third game they lost. It's the first real game they lost. But they lost two exhibition to teams that aren't as good as them. Again, not terrible teams they lost to in the exhibitions, but they lost to them. So there's definitely is room for concern here. Um, now, should it be, you know, the end of the world? Should the, the Olympics be over? Should they not even bother um, playing the rest of their games? Should they just go home? No. I mean, I still think they have a better chance than anybody else to get a medal, um, even a gold medal at this point. But there definitely is some concern with this team, um, especially when you play teams like France or like Spain or even like Australia that have NBA talent on their team um, because clearly this United States team just isn't clicking like we've seen in years past. Um, and I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do moving forward because I think it could be easy for them to you know, lose this game, play poorly their next couple games against teams that are they should be way better than, and then they kind of just lose interest and they're like, why are we here? This is a pandemic. This Olympics supposed to be last year. Like This isn't even fun for us. So I am intrigued to see how they come out their next game against a team. I don't even remember who it was, Trevor, but against a team who I know they're way better than. So, um, mm -hmm. again, not the end of the world, but there definitely is a lot of room for concern with this team. Yeah, I... Trevor? Yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I, I, I mean, I think you have to, at this point, say that there has to be some concern because this is now the group stage. This game did matter, right? Like, it counts toward, mm -hmm. um, obviously, they're standing, and they're in a group with... France, who they just lost to, and then also Czech Republic and Iran, two teams who aren't very good, don't really have any NBA talent. So they should still gather this group because, we, know, I mean, the top two teams do make it out. So France um, is going to make it out, certainly. And then the U.S. should be that second team to make it out even still because uh, there should be no way that Czech Republic or Iran uh, beat the U.S. But there's got to be concern looking at some of these other teams. I mean, some of the other top contenders that can take them out. One of them is France, for sure. Another one, Australia who we saw beat them, you know, kind of in, in an exhibition uh, recently. So those are two of the top teams, I would say, along with the U.S. Um, and, it, and it's going to be tough because both of those teams, I know especially France, they have a lot more chemistry than the U.S. does. You know, they're used to playing together. You know, the team they have is pretty similar to the team they probably had four years ago. You know, like Rudy Gobert, Batum, Fournier, they're all um, – 
uh, I guess you can call them veterans, especially Batum and Fournier are now veterans. Um, and they have some other guys like DiColo. I know he played. Um, he's been playing with France for a little while, too. Um, I, I think he's like kind of a household name over there. So, you know, they have a lot more chemistry than the U.S. does. In the U.S., it's kind of, uh, you know, one of the issues that we see occasionally in the NBA, which is uh, just like iso ball, you know, uh, your turn, my turn. Um, and there's not a lot of ball movement. And I think that's one of the biggest issues with this team is there's a lot of iso ball. There's a lot of your turn, my turn. And there's got to be more ball movement. Obviously, you know, Damian Lillard, he is a capable point guard. I, I've seen some criticism saying like, oh, Damian Lillard isn't a true point guard. They need a true point guard. I don't fully agree with that. I mean, Damian Lillard, he just came off of a season where he averaged like all, nearly 30 points a game, like eight assists. He is a point guard. He can, He is capable of doing this, but it's not, it shouldn't all fall on Damian Lillard. It's got to be with Durant. He played with incredible Warriors teams. He knows how to, you know, kind of facilitate the ball around as well. You got Bam Adebayo, who's a really good uh, defender. He can defend a lot of different positions. Um, unselfish player. They got Draymond Green on their team. We know Draymond Green and Durant have played together, so there's really no excuse. Yes, you know they're kind of getting used to playing with each other. Um, you know, and we just saw like Drew Holiday and Booker coming off the finals. This was their first game back. Drew Holiday actually was the leading scorer of Team USA. He had 18 points in mm -hmm. this game. Um, which was interesting, but um, they should still win it, absolutely. And if they don't, then it's kind of inexcusable, I think, if they don't, because they're clearly the most talented team. You know, now that they have a few games under their belt, it's time to turn it on. I mean, really, they should have already turned it on, right? Because it's the start. But hopefully, you know, we see a, a route, like in the next two games against Czech Republic, Iran, they destroy those two teams. They should. Um, make the group stage, and then they, you know, they need to start clicking. Though it has to happen now because we're into the group stage. So hopefully they can turn it around. Um, if I was a betting man, do I think they will? Um, I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I there's really no way to say that they. They're definitely going to get out of the group stage. Will they win? At this point, I really don't know the answer to that. Like it, I think them, France, and Australia are. Uh, three of the top teams. I mean, you have a couple other ones in there that are also pretty strong. I think, like, Spain's pretty good usually. Italy's not bad. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough task. But, in theory, the U.S. still absolutely should win it because they have, from top to bottom, talent-wise, the best team. So they need to get it together, and they they got to figure out how to move the ball and run better offensive sets and play together as a team. Yeah, and we'll have to see what happens. I mean... I, I hope they get it, you know, turn it around. I want the U.S. to win, but we'll have to see. To wrap up Small Talk today, of course, we have Small Talk Trivia. Trevor, what is the current leaderboard? Uh, the current score is Ben with four and a half points in the lead. Brandon in second with three points, and I am at the back. One point for me. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, today we have an order. Um, it was randomly put, and the order is Ben is going to ask me a question. I'm going to ask Trevor. Trevor is going to ask Ben his question after that. So, Ben, you're up first. All right, Brandon, my question has to do with the NBA draft. NBA draft later on this coming week. We will preview it okay. here at the end of this uh, podcast, but I wanted to get an NBA draft question in here for you. Brandon, my question to you. It's pretty straightforward. You have a 1 in 30 chance of getting it right. What NBA franchise okay. has had the most number one overall picks? History of the NBA draft. What NBA franchise has had, has had the number one pick more than any other team? you got a 1 in 30 chance of getting this one right. Um, so, I think, I think I can just kind of call it pretty quickly here. Um, I, I think they play pretty close to where I live. 
Um, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the Cavs. I think they've gotten a good amount of number one picks. Um, definitely in recent times, they I feel like they've had a good amount of number one picks. So, I, I mean, the Cavs are going to be my guess. That's my guess. Brandon, okay, final nice answer. Cleveland Cavaliers, you had a 1-30 in 30 chance, and you went for it right off the bat. You're right. Not a hard question. Um, <laughs> I was asking this question. I, I looked at this question hoping it wouldn't be the Cavs. But honestly, I didn't have a I didn't have a backup question to ask. So when I found out it was the Cavs, I was kind of just like, all right, maybe I won't. Hopefully, I won't ask Brandon because Brandon probably will know it because he lives close to downtown Cleveland. And of course, I ask you, and you knew it right away. So I'm kind of upset because now we're tied. But um, wasn't a super not, hard. Not question. quite. I had, not quite I tied. That, I had faith that either of you were going to get it right. I didn't think it was that hard, but it's okay. Did you know it, Trevor? Yeah, I the Cavs would have been my answer. Yeah. The Cavs seem like the easiest guess, um, just because, frankly, they've been terrible and they don't have somebody named LeBron James on their team. So, um, I wanted, you know, wanted to be on brand, on on theme with what we're doing today. But I had confidence either one of you guys could get that one right. Very nice, very nice. I'll take my point. Um, so, Trevor, it is now time for me to ask your question. And again, pretty straightforward question. It's also an NBA question. Um, in the NBA playoffs, what player has made the most three pointers in history? In the NBA playoffs. Okay. Um, most three-pointers in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, made. 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 Three-pointers made. Made three-pointers. Yeah, not attempted. Made. Gotcha. Okay. Most three-pointers made in the NBA playoffs. This is all time. Okay. All time. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to give my thought process away, obviously, in case I miss it. Um, obviously, there's a certain person who stands out. Um think that's probably going to be my answer but i'm just making sure that there's no one i'm forgetting about because uh, there there are definitely other guys who make a fair amount of three-pointers for sure um and who have been in maybe more like there's a, there's another guy who's been in more playoff games than this other guy but the amount of three-pointers he makes is definitely not as many as the other guys so um i'm just trying to think um could it be anyone else other than those two I don't think so. I, th- I think it's got to be one of those, and I'm pretty confident it's it's the this certain this one guy. Um, so I'm just gonna go ahead and um, let's see. He's played in one, two, three. He's played in about seven different playoffs. So yeah, that's a fair amount, and he's gone pretty far in a lot of them. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna lock in my answer. Most playoffs made, most three pointers made in the playoffs. Um, my final answer is Stephen Curry. And, uh, Trevor, you'd be correct. I told you before the podcast I'd be surprised if either one of you missed this. Ben, did you know that question? Did you know the answer? I would assume the two people Trevor was talking about were Steph Curry and Ray Allen. Honestly, I probably would have guessed Ray Allen, but I feel no. I felt like it was one of those two. The, so the, other, the other guy I was thinking was Durant, but Ray yes. Allen could so, also be a good one, potentially. Ray Allen is number three. Durant is six. Number two is the greatest player of all time, LeBron James. Okay. However, that makes he's, sense. Played, he's played in a lot of he's games. Played 266 games. Steph's played in 112. Okay. So take that with what you know. However you want to take that. All right. Um, Trevor, your turn to ask Ben. Okay. So um, I I also have an NBA draft question. Um, Jeez. I was gonna ask one variation of this, but it was too hard, so I found an easier version of it. Um, so this year, you know, Kate Cunningham, he's projected to go number one. He's from Oklahoma State, which of course is in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. So my question is, um, and obviously we've had some Big 12 talk with football as well, but my question is, who is the last player that was drafted number one overall 
um, from the Big 12. So the answer is a player. I'm looking for a player who was drafted number one. It is the last player that was drafted number one coming from a Big 12 college. Oh, gee. All right. So the last player to come from a Big 12 college drafted number one overall. Right. So like you said, Katie yes. Cunningham will be this year. I, can't, I guess I can't say names because I don't want to give Brandon <laughs> a point. I, already gave, I don't want to give him half a point. I already gave him a point. Oh, I'm thinking there's one person that came to mind right away, but that was not that recently. So I'm trying to think if there was anybody else. And usually I feel like I'm pretty good at remembering this kind of stuff. So if I can just go through the years. Not Big 12. Not Big 12. I hate that I'm not allowed to, to tell you guys my thought yeah. process, but I'm not going to give Brandon any sort of uh, clue here. There's no way I'm allowing him to take the lead here. Yeah, it's it's okay. Don't worry, because I, I know the answer. You can say whatever you want. Okay. Dang, dude, I'm having such a hard time remembering. Hey, no pressure, but I will get my half I know. point if you miss I'm it. I'm just thinking, dude. I have such a hard time remembering that, like, like NFL draft, I feel like I could do this a lot better, but I just don't watch right. NBA draft that much. Um... You know, Ben, I, I, I'm feeling generous today. I'm just it's saying. not even my question. I, I, I'm i going to give you a clue, Ben, because I, I know the I answer. I don't want a clue. I don't want a clue. Oh, you don't want a clue? No, no clue? I don't want a clue, right. because when I, if I get a right, you a clue, no clue, then you're always, and if, if I beat you, you're going to be like, well, I'll give you a clue. No, I'm not giving you a sort of satisfaction. <laughs> okay. I'm just going with the first person I thought of. Uh, I believe it was 2014, Andrew Wiggins from Kansas. That is my final answer. And Ben, you would be correct. The correct answer so, is Andrew Wiggins from Kansas, drafted number one to the Cavs. Who, to the that that relates to the other so question. My, ben, I was going to say, my clue was going to be that your two questions were connected. Yeah, no, my research came in handy there because I, I <laughs> happened to see – I saw the list of Cavs drafted yeah, you like saw 30 that. minutes ago, and Andrew Wiggins came to my head. So I was hoping it wasn't anybody between Andrew Wiggins and now, but I wasn't sure. I just went for Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Were you also uh, thinking of Blake Griffin? Because I, I know you said another person. I, I didn't know if you were thinking of Blake Griffin at all. I was not. I, but, my, I was going through the years, and I thought DeAndre Ayton. I was like, oh, Arizona, Big 12. I forgot they're not. The I was thinking Big 12 <laughs> for Arizona for whatever reason. But then I, I remembered Andrew Wiggins, so it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. That, I, was that our first three-point day? I think that was our first three-point day. Yeah, I think so. It might have been. It's a good day for us. Good collective day. It was a good day all around. All right, next up, we have Randomly Ranked. This is a segment where we take a completely random topic and rank it. It's very self-explanatory. Today's topic is going to be the best bar foods slash appetizers. You know, I guess more appetizers than bar foods, but we'll say the best appetizers in our opinion. Um, so actually, I feel like I never go first. I feel like I always make Trevor go first, so I'll go first today. Um, or maybe I do go first. I don't know. I'll go first. Um, my top three, I got to go number three. I'm going to go with onion rings. Um, recently I've become a much bigger fan of onions. Um, I've always liked onion rings, but I now really, really like them. I think they're just delicious. You know, at the end of the day, they're just a delicious item to have. Number two, I'm going to have to go with mozzarella sticks. Um, another, I think, classic item that I think is always a good go-to if you just want, like, a little snack. Um, you know, they're great dipped in, uh, marinara sauce, of course. And number one, and I think we're all going to have the same number one, it's got to be chicken wings. I've always been a wing fan, but when I met Ben in college, Ben loves wings, and now I'm obsessed with chicken wings. Like, I, he's just gotten me so into them. Uh, big barbecue wing guy, um, so I, I, I would have to go with wings as my number one. Uh, Trevor, we'll go to you next. What is your top three favorite 
uh, appetizers or yeah. food. So I put four here because I think number one's cheating to be a little bit, kind of. Even though it's definitely an appetizer, but it's kind of cheating because all a lot of times I'll actually order that appetizer as my meal. But I'll start off. Uh, my honorable mention here has got to be jalapeno poppers. I've mentioned them before. They aren't going to make my top three appetizers, but I love jalapeno poppers. Uh, very good. Number three, I went with pretzel, a uh, pretzel and cheese. Very solid appetizer. Oh, that's I, a good one. That's I just love one. pretzels. I forgot about that. Yeah, like I'll, I'll buy like soft pretzels from the freezer at like the grocery store sometimes because mm-hmm. I just love soft pretzels and cheese. Um, so that's my number three. I actually had one yesterday at uh, the restaurant I went to. Um, so that was also very good. Number two, I went with, and there's a lot of different variations of nachos, so I just said loaded nachos, but like, you know, if, if I'm making my personal nachos and I'm what I would prefer, I would definitely like to have chicken on them. Of course, you got to have some kind of cheese. I'm not too picky. You know, it could be cheddar, mozzarella, you know, it doesn't really matter. I, I like a lot of different kinds of cheeses. You know, maybe some salsa in there, some pico de gallo, maybe some jalapenos or something, and then, you know... Uh, some people like other stuff, you know, but that's pretty much uh, what I would say I like. And then number one, it's going to be chicken wings. I mean, it's, like I said, might be cheating a little bit, but it's not technically the same number one as Brandon and Ben because when I mean chicken wings, I mean actual wings with the bone. I think both of them mean boneless chicken wings or as i would call them glorified chicken nuggets so slightly (laughs) different number one just got to make that technicality right there so so on i want to mention this if it's an appetizer there's no i i mean there's not many places that do boneless wings as an appetizer but would you concur like i feel like if i was getting them as an appetizer it would be with bone in however i like boneless better i agree with that i think i think we can agree yeah yeah i get that ben you were uh your top three yeah okay so Number three, um, similar to Trevor, I, I would say nachos, but I guess more, I'm more of like, just like chips and queso. I, I like, I love nachos, but oh, I think that's I'd rather a good just one have like too. chips and queso. I just think, and I, again, I feel like it could kind of go with chip with not with nachos cause it's kind of the same thing. Cause I like like having peppers and stuff on them. Um, but I, I put chips and queso, just something easy, something easy to snack on while you're talking. Um, not super messy, super easy to eat. That's my number three. Number two complete opposite side of the spectrum very messy but i still love eating it chili cheese fries you cannot go wrong with some chili cheese fries i don't even like chili that much i don't hate chili um i like chili i don't love it but chili cheese fries just for whatever reason such a good combination of chili cheese and fries can't go wrong with some chili cheese fries especially when you're at like a bar or a pub something like that good appetizer to have number one chicken wings i mean there's no surprise all three we knew all three of us were gonna have it um, honestly, if you're listening and you know us, you probably aren't surprised that all three of us have it. But I will say, I would I would rather have bone-in chicken wings if I'm in the mood to, to work for it and, and make the mess. Now, if I'm not in the mood to, you know, make a mess and I just want to use a fork, then I'm going to go boneless. But I think the, the meat tastes better on, on the bone. I would prefer to have bone-in chicken wings, and I do think they taste better. But... Again, I'm lazy, Trevor. I think I'd just rather use a fork if, I, if I'm if i given the opportunity. So more often than not, I'm just going to take boneless. Rather use the fork. Brandon's the same way. Brandon doesn't want to get messy. Brandon doesn't like to work for his food. I get that. Um, so more often than not, I'm probably just going to take boneless chicken wings. But um, I will say I'm, I like spicy wings, but not nearly as much as Trevor. I, I think we're, we're a good mix. Brandon hates spicy. He gets barbecue like, like a little wuss. Um, I get like I'll get like medium max, and Trevor usually can handle hot. So I do think we we cover a lot of spectrums here with the chicken wings. Um, I guess you could even call us experts at this point on chicken wings. 
um, because we we cover the different the different categories. I feel like the three of us could definitely put down. You know, we could really judge a good chicken. We wing could or not. maybe we maybe we should start a chicken wing podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Our options are. <laughs> I don't know how expansive that one would be, but yeah. you know, Ben, I, I you're the ideas man. I, I like the idea. <laughs> But let's keep on uh, moving ahead to our main topic. We're going to start in the NBA Finals that wrapped up this past week. I guess two weeks ago, in, in theory. Um, and Trevor, you know, we, we we wrap up these finals in this very odd season. Um, and I you've talked about this a little bit before the pod, but, you know, where does this finals rank for you? And how do you see us moving forward after this year? Yeah, so this finals, um, it was very interesting. It actually ended up being better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, you know, as we all mentioned um, before the series started, I, I predicted the Suns were going to win the series. That was kind of based on the assumption that Giannis was not going to be 100%. Um, now, I still probably would have picked the Suns regardless, maybe in seven games instead of six. But I just didn't expect Giannis to play uh, near anywhere near the level he played at and, and that kind of is overall what turned the table and then obviously Chris Paul I would say underperformed at least a little bit and maybe you can even argue Devin Booker maybe underperformed a little bit and when you put all those things together you throw in a really good true holiday game that I didn't necessarily expect and you know it flips a couple games and the Bucks win in six so um, yeah not too like it made sense what happened in the series made sense if you thought Giannis was going to be, you know, have one of the greatest finals performances of all time, which he did. Um, so, yeah, it was a really good series. I think if I'm just ranking it in terms of um, the series I've seen, the series in my lifetime, uh, it's definitely top five, I would say. Um, certainly 2013 and 2016, I think, are probably the top two of the ones I've seen, you know. So going back to, like, 2005, I would say 2013 – and, you know, and I'm a little biased. I'm a Heat fan. So I, I might lean toward 2013 as being the best, um, although 20, 2016 definitely has a great argument. This one, I think, might be third. Um, now, 2010, you can go back to 2010, also a really good series. Went to seven games, Lakers-Celtics. Maybe that one also is better than this one. Uh, but I think definitely in the top five. Uh, certainly really good series. Um, most of the games, um, well, certainly the last few games were close. Uh the first three, not quite as much, but I think game four, game five, and game six, all really good games. I mean, we saw, obviously, Giannis, he had two back-to-back great performances in two and three, um, where he scored 40. Then we had Devin Booker, who kind of was a standout in game four. Um, they still lost, obviously, um, to Milwaukee. And then we have game five, when it seemed like, all right, this is the defining game. Whoever wins game five will win the series. That's kind of how I saw it. And the Bucks were able to pull that one out. Um, Booker did have 40 points in that one, um, but we saw, you know, a pretty well-rounded performance from uh, the Bucks players. I mean, we had, uh, I think that was Drew Holiday's standout performance. He had uh, 27 points, 13 assists in that one. Giannis had 32, nine and six. Middleton had 29, seven and five. So all three of them had really good games in the most pivotal game of the series. And when that happens, it's like, you know, the Bucks are probably going to win most games where, you know, all three of their players are clicking, playing well, because, you know, my opinion of the Bucks has changed a lot throughout the playoffs. But after we got through the Nets series, even though they won, I actually felt worse about them. And I remember saying that on the podcast, I felt worse about them coming out of the series than I did before because... 
the fact that it was basically KD and a bunch of other guys, you know, like James Harden on one leg and no Kyrie Irving, I was like, the Bucks should have easily, you know, kind of won this series after those guys went out and they didn't. It, you know, it took um, like an overtime and a lot of hardships, and then they barely even got by the Atlanta Hawks as well. You know, Trey Young obviously got hurt in that series, so I didn't really anticipate um, all three of their top guys to ever have. Um, great games at the same time. It's It always seemed like one of them will have a really good game, maybe two, but never all three. So in the most important game of the whole finals, all three of them played very well. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's all about timing. Sometimes it's when all of your guys are healthy at the right time and clicking in the most important uh, game or most important stretch of games, that's when it can happen. I think that's what happened with Milwaukee. Um, Drew Holiday had his best game of probably the playoffs in Game 5. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, you know, just completely almost every single game was incredible. Um, whereas you look at, like, the Sun side in game, um, well, game five, Chris Paul, he had 21 points, 11 assists. I think it's, it was his game four that wasn't quite as good. But just, like, you got to give all the credit in the world to the Bucks. Yes, we have seen a lot of injuries this playoffs with the Lakers, with the Nets, the Clippers. Obviously, Kawhi was out. Yes, that's true. Um, I don't think the Bucks would have won it, won it if every team was healthy, but you can say that about a lot of seasons. You could say that about 2019. Like the Raptors, if every team was fully healthy, the Warriors probably would have won it again. You know, you can look at like 2015. Like if Kyrie Irving didn't get hurt, maybe the Cavs win it in 2015. You know, so I think there are a lot of instances like this. This happens to be another one. And I think even though that is true, I believe that. I think you still have to give the Bucks a lot of credit, and you have to give Giannis a lot of credit because, you know, his performance, I mean, averaging 35 points, 13 rebounds, it's it's an all-timer. And um, I, I think you can really ask the question now, and, I, and I'm interested to know what you guys even think to me asking this question, like the question of, is Giannis now the best player in the NBA? Um, I think I know what Brandon would respond to that, but Ben, I, I wanted to get some of your thoughts. Yeah. Just like when I asked that question, what is, what is your reaction, like, just in general, I guess? So here, and this has been, you know, a, a hot topic since pretty much his performance in the finals. At the moment, I'd say, yeah, if, if, if what I saw from Giannis in that game six or whatever it was, where he dropped 50 points and whatever, however, however many rebounds, if that's mm -hmm. the Giannis I'm getting every single game, then yeah, he's definitely the best player in the NBA at this point. He's better than LeBron. LeBron's not going to put up 50 anymore. Um, so if, and again, I understand Giannis isn't going to put 50 every game, but that Giannis, that type of player, that dominant player, um, I would 100% agree that that player is the best player in the NBA at the moment. 100%. I have no problem saying that. Brandon. So, yeah. What is your reaction? Here's the thing. It's a, it's a bad question. It's a bad question. No, it's we not. all know who the best player in the world is. He's always going to be the best player in the world. It's never going to, he's not going to be taken away. You can make an argument that playing best at the end of the season was Giannis. But I don't want to hear any talk that he's the best player in the world. I, my, my good friend Greg says this. If Giannis was, was six feet tall, he wouldn't even be in the NBA. Man can't shoot. He's not a great dribbler. He uses his size but... and strength to his advantage, which is fine. And I would like to give credit to him in these finals. But let's think about the people that they played You know, going up to this. All right, this, this, In no way am I saying this is a Mickey Mouse championship. But at the same time, bro, every team was hurt, okay? The, these finals were, were stunted. I, I don't even think these were the two best teams in the league, you know? And it, it sucks that it was this way, but, you know, the season, they didn't give them enough off time, and just every player in the world got hurt. If, if the Lakers are healthy and the, uh, 
the uh, um, Nets are healthy, both these teams wouldn't even be in the in the finals. So to say Giannis is the best player in the world at this exact moment, sure, good argument. To say he's the best player in the world just in general, don't I don't even want to hear that. This is a terrible question. But here's the thing, Brad. <laughs> here's the thing. It's not like the Bucks weren't injured too. Giannis was hurt. Like it's not like they they skated through because they escaped injury. Like they had injury too. I get it. It's not like you know LeBron where he missed a bunch of time. But Giannis was hurt. Like he missed games. So um, it's like I, I do think that there is like an aspect to that where it's like they they earned this championship because they had to you know deal with adversity just like every other team did in, in this crazy year. I'm not I'm not saying that they didn't deal with adversity or they don't deserve the championship. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if all the teams were healthy like a normal year, they wouldn't have been there. That's all I'm saying okay. on that aspect. Okay. But let's 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 pivot from this a little bit and let's mm-hmm. look ahead to next year. What are we expecting for next year, Ben? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you. What, what are you expecting? I'm not necessarily saying who's gonna win the championship, but I'm saying what is your expectation for the next NBA season? Well, my expectation is that one, we won't have as many injuries, um, at least injuries from superstars. Knock on wood. Um, so yeah, I knock mean, on wood. I mean, yeah, knock on wood again. Like this year's been crazy. Um, expectations are we'll see what the Lakers do. Obviously, if if Anthony Davis is healthy and LeBron's healthy, I don't really know what we're gonna get from either of them. Um, especially with LeBron being as old as he is now, I get it. He's still great, but I don't know what to get from them. Um, I mean, the Bucks are still going to be the Bucks. Like they're still going to have a good team. And again, not like I'm saying they're going to win the championship next year, but I mean, they've been a good team for years now with this core group of people. So they mm-hmm. will still be good next year. Um, I don't know what the, I don't know what we're going to get from the Warriors. Clay Thompson coming back, Steph Curry. I don't know what we're going to get, um, but that'll be interesting. Obviously, you know, we had got this whole Damian Lillard thing, and we got this Philly thing uh, stuff going on. So there definitely is a lot of uncertainty. Um, with next year's NBA season. But I will say, and I was actually hating on this person before we started. I wasn't hating, but I, I was saying I didn't get the hype on this person before the, the podcast started. But I'm most excited to see what Luka Doncic does this coming year because this coming year will be what, Trevor? His fourth season? Did he just yes. finish his third season, Trevor? Or finish yes. his second? All right, so it'll be his fourth season. So I'm excited to see because now we're not at the point where, like, he's not a young player in the NBA. Like, he is in his prime. He is an established player. And I'm not saying last year was, like, you know, he was bad. He was obviously one of the best players in the league. But I'm excited to see if he can take even another step into a superstardom player. Um, because, again, he's been a top 10 player for two years now or whatever, even maybe even since his first year. But I'm excited to see how much better he can get. Because, again, he is the future of this league. He is the young star of this league. I guess you could put Trey Young in there, too. Um, but I'm excited to see what step Luka Doncic can make in terms of how much better he can get than what he already is. Because, again, he's already amazing. But I want to see if he can get to an even another level where he is dominant and he is somebody that you are terrified to play against if you're on another team. It's, a, it's an interesting outlook. Trevor, I'm going to ask the same question to you. What, what are you expecting for us? What are you looking forward to for next NBA season? Yeah, so it's so weird because I feel like for this is the third straight year now that I'm going to say that I think this could be one of the best NBA seasons we I've maybe ever <laughs> witnessed. And I said that two years ago, yeah. and then obviously the pandemic hit and everything. And then this past year we saw the injuries and stuff. Um, but my the reason why I've been continuing to think that I think is just that we don't have one dominant team. Obviously, mm-hmm. since Durant has left the Warriors, 
we no longer have one team that is clearly better than the rest. We have a lot of different contenders. We have a lot of interesting teams that could make moves to get slightly better. Um, if if a team like a 76ers gets Damian Lillard, they could become uh, maybe significantly better, potentially even. Um, but I think there's just a lot of really good teams. And again, it's it's hard to say because um, we, you know, with injuries and stuff, we don't know. We got to see what other moves, you know, maybe like the Lakers, they have some moves they can make uh, with some of their role players, obviously. And Dallas, obviously, they need to get Lucas some more help. Uh, obviously, we got to see where Damian Lillard lands. So there's a lot of different interesting pieces. I'm really looking forward to just so much. I mean, I, I think I'm at the point where I love the NBA more than I ever have before. Um, and I think that might only continue to grow just because of all the young talent, the young stars we have in this league. Um, yes, we have, you know, kind of this generation that's, you know, been over the past five, ten years leaving. Obviously, Dwayne Wade left and, and Mello. He's still in the league, but he's, you know, pretty much on his way out. Chris Paul's still balling, but he's getting older. LeBron's still balling. He's getting older, though. And we're seeing a lot of these younger stars. One of them who just had on the biggest stage, you know, one of the best performances ever in Giannis. I mean, Durant is still there. Obviously, he you could argue he's 32 now, but he's still up there. Steph coming back with Clay. I can't wait to see how the Warriors look. Now, I'm not quite as high on the Warriors as I think other people are. I think they need another star, to be honest with you, if they're going to if they want to win a championship. Draymond at this point in his career is not the same guy he was in 2016, not even close. Um, Clay Thompson, it's just a question mark. I have no idea how he's going to look coming out from injury. Obviously, Steph will still be awesome because he was awesome this year, but I don't know outside of Steph what the Warriors are going to be able to give him. And, and you know, going from the ninth best team in the West to potentially the first, I, I don't see it unless they can add another, like, even like a borderline all-star, someone who's like, you know, either an all-star or close to being one, someone else there. Uh, preferably like a good center. I mean, obviously they have Wiseman there, but I, I don't know. I think it's going to take time with Wiseman. The Kind of the timelines um, don't really mix. Like Wiseman is going to need three to five years to grow probably, whereas the Warriors, Steph Curry's now 32, I believe. He wants to win now. You know, he wants to win now. This He's still in his prime, so the timelines don't uh, match. He needs... They need to add more to the Warriors for them to win. But I'm looking forward to a lot. Again, I love watching Luka. I've obviously enjoyed Donovan Mitchell, one of my favorite players. And then Dame, mm -hmm. wherever he goes. I just hope that Dame doesn't go to like the Lakers or the Warriors because that would suck. I would not like that. But as long as he goes to like a, a team that's not already too good. Like Philly, I wouldn't hate. I wouldn't hate Philly because I feel like Philly is not... Like, like, they're, I don't know, like the seventh best team right now. So if Dame goes there, it's not like they're going to be overpowering. They're going to be very mm -hmm. good, but they won't be overpowering. Yeah, and no, I, I get what you mean. Any any last things you want to kind of talk about before we kind of exit this and move towards the, uh, the draft that we got coming up this Thursday? Yeah, I guess just quickly, and we could always talk about this on future pods, but I always love, you know, talking about the legacy discussion with some of these stars. Giannis, right. obviously, he now has a championship, a finals MVP. Two regular season MVPs. He's only 26. So yeah. a lot of room for Giannis to grow. He's probably already top 50 all time, to be honest with you. I mean, just with those accomplishments. I mean, if you look at him at 26 versus LeBron at 26, I mean, you know, it's kind of, kind of close there, um, I would say, at this stage. So that's interesting. Chris Paul, another one. He didn't get his championship, but I think he's still in, like, that 
um, like right around 30. Like he's, I think he's slightly better than Steve Nash, but I'm not sure if I can put him ahead of like Isaiah Thomas, for example, from the Pistons because Isaiah did win two championships and maybe he had better teams than Chris Paul, you could argue, but I, I still don't think I can put him ahead of Isaiah. But he's right in like that, like right around 30, I would say. So I maybe I had him around 35 before the playoffs. Now I've at least moved him up definitively ahead of Steve Nash now, definitively ahead of John Stockton, uh, definitely ahead of Allen Iverson. Um, but I'm not sure about like Isaiah. I think I have like Scottie Pippen still ahead of him maybe. Um, but definitely interesting there um, to see, you know, mm-hmm. how Chris Paul closed out his career. Yes, it, it, it will be very interesting because I feel like he never gets a break. Like I feel like people are always on him for being bad or whatever. And it's crazy because I love Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul is so underrated. And I'm glad that you put him kind of where you put him. And like just like a mental, you know, ordering of players. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's move on. We got uh, the NBA draft coming up later this week. Uh, the three of us have definitely been very, very busy. I think we all collectively wish we knew like an, a lot more about this draft. However, we have the NBA wizard with us, Trevor Reddick. Um, so Trevor, break down some names that you like. Obviously, Kate Cunningham's the favorite um, for number one. It seems like everyone really likes him. He didn't even take uh, any other visits except with the Pistons. Um, so break down a couple players you like, uh, even some you don't like if you'd like to. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that can come out of this. Uh, number one, I, I was talking about the Warriors, right? And I think they need another piece. Now they have picked 7-14. and 14. Um, Now I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to give up a piece to get pick 7-14, but if the Warriors can somehow package those picks and maybe like Andrew Wiggins, so maybe they do like Andrew Wiggins, 7-14, and 14, they might be able to get like a pretty good player that can boost the Warriors in a position where they're a contender. I could see something like that. Um, and, you know, if they can even get out of one of those spots, maybe they can even just get out of seven and get another piece that can help them uh, become a contender. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, ideally, they, they do trade um, because, you know, again, with the timeline, the Warriors, you know, Jonathan Kaminga or uh, Keon Johnson, like these are guys that are going to be really helping you out right away. Um, and maybe, maybe Davion Mitchell if they get him. You know, I'm, I'm very high on Davion Mitchell. So maybe if they get him, he could be like an interesting like uh, microwave scorer off the bench as a rookie potentially. Uh, but other than that, I, I think they need to ideally trade out. So that's interesting. Um, obviously, the top of the, the draft, we have Cade. Uh, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, I think universally those are kind of the top three, although I don't fully agree with it. Personally, I think Jalen Suggs is actually uh, the number two prospect. I really love Jalen Suggs. I know Ben does as well. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I think he's just an awesome scorer. Um, I think in the NBA, he, he he's going to put up a lot of points for sure. I'm more confident in his ability than Jalen Green. Maybe it's a little college bias because I've seen a lot more of him, but I have watched a little bit of Jalen Green as well, and I don't know. I just I know like you can look at oh like the athletic potential and the measurables and yeah he's two inches taller than Jalen Suggs, but I I prefer Jalen Suggs personally. Um, you know some other guys I've talked about Davion Mitchell a lot. Um, another guy I really like is James Booknight from UConn. He's a shooting guard. On the past I think I compared him to Zach Levine. Uh, he's a pretty good shooter, just really good all around offensive scorer as well. Um, you know so gonna be interesting to see. But maybe you look at the defense and you're, there's some concerns there, but kind of playing with the team he played with he had to do a lot of the scoring uh, pretty much a little bit of everything for that UConn team they didn't really have a lot of good uh, pieces around him so he had to do a lot Um, the UConn team still wasn't bad they were at least decent so I think that's going to be interesting Um, and then I guess outside of that just some sleepers to look out for Um, 
I think one of the guys that I really personally like um, is another Baylor guy. It's going to be Jared Butler. Um, and maybe it's just because I've seen a lot of him, again, him play. But a lot of these mock drafts have him going late 20s, early 30s. I don't know. I mm-hmm. mean, we look at some of these other unproven guards, and yes, they're obviously younger than Jared Butler. You know, you look at someone like a Keon Johnson from Tennessee. He's obviously younger than Jared Butler. But I don't know. I'm not even. I'm not too sure. I would take Keon Johnson above uh, someone like a Jared Butler, who's very proven. Uh, you know, I, I know that he's a good leader. He's proven that as Baylor. Yes, he's like 21, 22 years old. But I really like Jared Butler. Um, you know, some of these other guys that I think I really like. Um, oh, Kai Jones from Texas, the center. And I think he's now rising, so he's not a sleeper. But that's just another guy I wanted to point out. It looks like his position is actually right where I would maybe have him. He's like late lottery. Um, I really, when he when they uh, played West Virginia, he just really stood out as like a big who can run the floor really well. I mean, there was a couple possessions where he like brought the ball up and then just like went coast to coast, dribbled in and dunked it. And this is like a 6'11", 220 guy. Um, so that's another guy that stands out. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good draft. Um, were there any guys that I didn't mention that, um, Brandon or Ben, either one of you wanted to talk about before we kind of close it out? Trevor, I got a question for you. Yeah. What's up? Your guy, Miles McBride. How do you feel about his NBA ability? So Miles, okay. So Miles is now, uh, he, you know, he's coming out as a sophomore. I believe he's 20 years old. Um, certainly a hard, very hard worker. He's relentless on defense. Um, his scoring is kind of inconsistent. He's very much like, like a microwave. Like he, if he gets hot, he can get going. But then again, he might have some nights where he's like one of eight, one of nine. Right. So mm-hmm. I really like his work ethic. Very good on defense. I think he could come in off the bench pretty quickly and at least like give you, you know, 15 minutes and, give you a really great, um, just like as an energy guy. And then if he has a good night, you know, he could potentially have a 25-point game, you know, in the middle of January. Like, I could see that happening in his rookie year. But um, long-term, as far as how he projects, uh, obviously it's going to be a lot dependent on, I think, his ability to create for others. That's not necessarily a strong suit for him right now. He needs to get better at creating for others and playmaking. He didn't do a ton of that at West Virginia. It was more just like, off the dribble, creating his own shot for himself, mm-hmm. which, depending on the night, it might be awesome. Another night, it might not be so good. So I think that's going to be a big, um, you know, I guess just like turning point of whether he's, you know, potentially can make an all-star team or if he's just like, uh, you know, a good sixth man or something. Okay, Trevor, I like that. And the only reason I ask is because I honestly had the same thoughts as you, and I obviously I haven't watched as much of Miles McBride as you, as you have, but mm-hmm. I've watched some of, of his games, and he – I agree with everything you said. Like he's a volume scorer, where if he's on, he can score a lot of buckets really quickly. Mm-hmm. But I'm concerned, and again, I'm just I'm basically just repeating what you said. But I agree. Um, I'm concerned with his ability in the NBA. Like you're going to be playing against people. Defense is going to be a lot different in the NBA. Okay, so if you're having off scoring nights or whatever, how can you contribute to your team other than that? Um, and just yeah. some of the the you know the performances that he had at West Virginia and some of the shots he put up, I just don't see that happening as frequently as. Right. in the NBA as he was able to do, even in the Big 12, which is a great conference at West Virginia. It's just such a different game in the NBA. Um, so I, I'm glad you said that because I had the same thoughts, and I wanted to hear from you as somebody that's watched him way more than I have um, because, again, I agree with you. and I, I definitely have my concerns, and obviously I'm not an expert, but um, he's projected to be a late first-round pick. So clearly uh, we are not alone in our thoughts here with, with 
some of his abilities moving forward to the NBA. Yeah, and he's not real big either. He's 6'2", he's about 195. So, I mean, that's going to be tough just as far as on the offensive end. Defensively, I, I really believe in his abilities on the defensive end. I think he could really give a lot of guards trouble, especially like if he's on taller guards, um, he's a smaller guard. I could see him creating a lot of steals pretty like pretty much right away. I could see him uh, getting in and creating some steals. Yeah, so I... Uh... It's interesting that you. I, I thought you'd be higher on your boy, Trevor. I thought you'd be higher. I on mean, him. I, I I definitely like him. Like I believe in him because he is a very hard worker. Obviously, that's it's kind of the same reason why I love Davion Mitchell. Just like it's very clear that he takes this very seriously. He loves basketball and he's a hard worker, which those guys I tend to be biased towards. Um, but then again, like I have to acknowledge uh, some of his weak points. Yeah, I guess we'll you know have to wait and see. But anything else you guys want to add before we kind of wrap up the episode today? We're, we're approaching an hour of uh, content here. That's about it for me. That's about it. All right, awesome. Yeah. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate all the support as always that you guys give to the podcast. Of course, follow the Small Ballers on Twitter at the Small Baller or the link in the description. Um, so you know when all of our podcasts come out. This podcast, of course, comes out Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every single Sunday. Currently, we have Big Brother going on, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast. If I remember, I will still link it in the <laughs> description below. Hopefully, I do. If I don't, of course, look up 5 Seconds of Fame podcast. Um, that comes out Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time, right after the eviction episode that Thursday night. Um, but like I said, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!